This is all theater. This is all just political theater. Political theater. Political theater. Pure political theater. Theater. Political theater. The nefarious, significant, and protracted political, political, political theater for political theater's sake. I yield back. From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Day. How do you make a 50-year event fresh? Well, you could start with the National Archives, and that's pretty much what Todd Douglas Miller did with his new film, Apollo 11, a documentary about the Apollo 11 moon landing. It premiered this week in Washington at the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, appropriately, as one of the astronauts on Apollo 11 used to direct the Air and Space Museum, Michael Collins. And uh, Todd Miller is in studio talking to us about his movie and working with the archives and just what is a kind of a monumental project. And I'm just going to let him go with that right now. So, Todd, welcome to Political Theater. Thanks so much for having me. So one of the comments at the screening uh, you said was it's hard to get an archivist excited about something. But you did. You managed to get Dan Rooney, who is the, is, it works for the National Archives, excited about this project. People, I'm guessing, most everyone has seen either a movie, a feature film about the Apollo 11 landing or a documentary. What's different about your movie? It's kind of awesome. I'm just going to give a spoiler right there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks. Um, Well, uh, there's a few things that are different. Um, I think uh, one thing, just being such a space fan and saturating myself, uh, certainly once we uh, started the project, uh, saturating myself and everything. So uh, absorbing all the films, uh, whether they were uh, feature-length films, or uh, even some of the industrial films that NASA was producing uh, during the actual Apollo missions themselves in the 60s, and certainly all the autobiographies of the astronauts, uh, mission controllers. um, It certainly had been covered to death. Um, I was more interested in approaching it um, more of a direct cinema uh, Mm -hmm. style. Um, So what you mean by that? that. In its purest form, uh, direct uh, cinema is uh, is is just letting the camera uh, be a fly on the wall. Right. Um, uh, I can't claim that we are 100% direct cinema. Uh, uh, our music score uh, has been er- introduced. Um, even though we have archival audio, uh, we do uh, enhance that some places with some sound effects. Obviously, the quality of some of the audio was pretty poor, so uh, we wanted space. to... Space. It just does things. Yeah, you know, it's just <laughs> the vacuum of space that uh, <laughs> takes things away. Um, so we really, you know, we wanted to have audiences uh, experience what it was like to actually be there for right. the launch, uh, go on the mission itself, land on the moon, and uh, hopefully, I don't want to spoil it, uh, return home safely. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, well, and this is the thing that I find extraordinary about this movie, uh, is that You've taken a story, we've got the 50th anniversary coming up of the Apollo 11 moon landing, and you you worked with the archives and you and you basically have a lot of footage that no one has ever seen. It was, I mean I mean I know this is a sort of a simplification but the sound files and the large format like 65 millimeter film stock of the of the of the takeoff landing all that, that was all kind of in a box somewhere right and you you've woven all this stuff together to make a coherent film it's a it's a I mean it's a huge task well the original idea was to there hadn't been anyone that had come along in over a decade that had actually uh, used to be we telecined uh, mm-hmm. film and to digitize it 
Uh, now there's film scanners that are around, uh, mm-hmm. but it's a dying business. There wasn't a lot of people that. Um, and what exactly do you mean by telecine and, and so scanning? So telecine um, was basically an early form of digitizing mm-hmm. uh, film footage. Uh, and film scanning now, if you can imagine, just it's basically a Xerox copy of, of an actual image of a film. Because um, digital photography has gotten so much more advanced than exactly. even five years ago. Um, right? And it really is, uh, you're scanning it with cameras. Uh, mm-hmm. So they are uh, these, you know, you put the film reels up on, uh, you know, a, a either a flatbed or an elevated scanner, um, uh, you know, reels. uh, And then uh, there's cameras that photograph it, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, That's in its most simplistic form. Uh, Obviously, it's a lot more complex than that. Um, But our original intention with the film was to go in and rescan all of the available materials that we had, which at the time we knew of to be 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter, Mm -hmm. basically what everybody had seen before. Uh, but I knew if I was going to invest uh, time and resources and money into the project, um, I wanted it financed to, yeah, by to somebody, be right? in its highest right. quality possible. So I think they thought we were a little nuts at first um, because we didn't want everything uh, available. We knew we had years to work on the project, which you know was a very was a, a great luxury, um, and we also had um, the resources to do it. Um, it just so happened uh, a post production facility called Final Frame in New York City, uh, where I work. Uh, and had developed a, a long relationship with um, uh, were getting into the film scanning business. So they had uh, developed some newer technology uh, to be able to handle these materials um, and not uh, there was no uh, mechanical mechanisms that were actually touching any of the film negative itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film, when it went through the machines, was writing on air, compressed air. Um, so uh, we started the project uh, just based on that assumption of getting all this material, rescanning it. Even though we knew it was, you know, hundreds of hours, we still thought it was fairly manageable. Uh, but there hadn't been anybody that had really quanti- quantified how much it was, too. Mm-hmm. So it became quickly it became a research project. Um, how much of the stuff is there? Uh, just wasn't at National Archives. There was various NASA uh, film vaults uh, in some of their various facilities around the country. Um, and then uh, certainly all the audio materials were scattered. Uh, we were flying under the radar, but a lot of people in the space community knew of us. So mm-hmm. the baton was kind of getting passed from some older engineers that had been around, uh, volunteers, uh, ex-NASA employees that had caches of their own. So they were sending us things. So we quickly um, started archiving and curating all these materials. And around, um, and that started at the tail end of 2016. Um, in May of 2017 uh, is when uh, Dan Rooney, who you mentioned, the supervisory archivist at the National Archives, had sent an email um, that uh, alerted us to uh, this collection of 65 millimeter material. Really didn't know what was on it. Uh, right. It did say Apollo 11. Uh, it, some of it had some dates. Uh, we didn't know the condition. Um, there was no way to really play them back. Um, and that started the long process of, uh, you know, discovery uh, and what those were and integrating them into the film. I'd like to know what you feel uh, as far as the responsibilities of representing mankind on this trip. That's uh, relatively difficult to, to answer. Uh, it's a job that we collectively said that it was possible and we could do. And, and of course, that the nation itself is backing us. So we just sincerely hope that we 
measure up to that. For for sort of the uninitiated or uh, for the non-film nerds out there, uh, I mean, 65 millimeter film stock itself is sort of a dying thing. The last person to do it on a wide scale was Quentin Tarantino a few years ago. He he did a movie called The Hateful Eight, which and he inversely you know filmed most of it inside. But this is for wide scale vistas. This is for movies like How the West Was Won and and 2001: A Space Odyssey. These are these are big scale you know uh, films because 35 millimeter film is great, right? I mean, even though that even that is sort of a dying art, but 65 millimeter film is just this. I mean, it's meant for wide scale. Uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, palettes, and and that I could. It's hard to think of a bigger one than space itself and and the moon. But you also the it's so the the vi- the colors are so vivid in this. I mean, like because you start with the crawlers, you know, moving the Saturn V rocket <laughs> into place at Cape Canaveral, or it was then Cape Kennedy, uh, and then you see people in this in the screen, you know, in, in the like all around waiting for this rocket to happen, and it's just this panorama that you just don't see in almost any kind of format anymore. And that's what really makes it, I mean, just a, an incredibly unique, you know, perspective. Uh, yeah, I mean, when we discovered the large format film, first of all, just being a fan of large format um, and uh, just being, trying to be a student, constantly educating myself on the history of cinema, um, that uh, that just, um, uh, there was no one that was more excited about this than me. Uh, and uh, it, it really became a research project into who shot this, who were the filmmakers, because it's been 50 years. A lot of them aren't around now, uh, and it's one of the joys to talk about uh, the, those filmmakers. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, Hateful Eight and Quentin Tarantino. Christopher Nolan's done a tremendous job in film preservation and shooting materials on film. We've joked that uh, our film is uh, Dunkirk in space, um, <laughs> and Dunkirk is very, you know, apropos of right. what the story is. You're dropped into a situation and you. You go on the ride. But certainly we owe a debt of gratitude to those uh, filmmakers, uh, Francis Thompson, Theo Kamika. Um, uh, there was uh, one of the guys uh, that was, there was two cinematographers in particular responsible for the majority of really the great cinematography in the movie. Um, and that was uh, a gentleman by the name of Urs Fuhr. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually passed away in 74, but they called him the bear. And he used to handhold these giant, you know, Pan, uh, yeah, large Pan format yeah, yeah. Uh, cameras. And, um, yeah, they were actually Mitchell Tadeo formatted cameras. Whoa. Not to get too technical. Um, but uh, And another gentleman uh, who was a Dutch filmmaker named Jan Spoanen who shot these amazing, they, they had him come in, uh, he shot these amazing sequences um, uh, the night before the launch and also the morning of the launch. Mm-hmm. Um, people waking up, uh, the people that were there around the Cape at the time. Uh, one, one of my favorite shots is of a dad with his son at 7 o'clock in the morning. They're waiting and he's drinking a bush <laughs> beer <laughs> right on yeah, the beach uh, very, ac- across from the Cape. <laughs> very like, American. So it's, it, it is very, there are these little moments in it where, yes, I mean, there's the launch itself and, and actually Neil Armstrong's son, uh, Rick, at the screening said that, you know, he was asked, like, what what was it like? You know, did you see anything new? And he said, this is the closest I've I've seen on film to actually being at a Saturn V launch. I mean, granted, we were at IMAX, so, I mean, the whole room was shaking. Uh, and and it opens in an IMAX theaters on, on Friday, March 1st, uh, before going into wider release in other theaters. But, like, the... the um, there's these monumental earth-shaking moments, literally, and then there are these small moments where they're in space, and they're, and they're, and and you, or you know, when they're somebody's eating a. I saw a lot of Krispy Kreme sandwiches, ready-made sandwiches and donuts uh, at the at, set up at the beach, and it's almost like a little time capsule of like intimate moments as well as the huge moment. 
Yeah, one of the first reels we actually got um, was uh, the suiting up sequence, mm -hmm. the day of the launch. Um, and I had seen those images over right. time. Everybody has. Um, but what got me was on uh, uh, earlier in the reel, uh, there was actually a dry run that was done a few days before. Mm -hmm. And the guys were kind of joking around in the room. Uh, it's pretty clear that Neil Armstrong got a haircut in between the uh, dry run and the actual day. <laughs> um, but uh, to see the juxtaposition between the two and to see the clarity in which uh, you could make out their faces and to... Uh, uh, it gives me chills every time I see it because you just see the weight um, on uh, of the world uh, and what they're about to do uh, on their faces uh, uh, the day of the of the launch, um, and that's when I knew that um, we really had something really unique um, that we could showcase um, uh, the what was really going on that day, mm -hmm. um, and to see that juxtaposed with people that were. Um, coming to witness, you know, basically a major uh, sporting event. I mean, they were going to see the Super Bowl of all Super Bowls, right. um, you know, that day. Uh, and to actually see their faces, the excitement of it all, the nervous energy right before, you know, as the countdown approaches. Um, and, I, you know, every day working on this project uh, to see those faces and the humanity that existed um, as if it was shot yesterday just mm -hmm. kept us going, you know, throughout the years. Well, I, I want to mention a couple of other things, too, that it one is the the there there are, there are moments where you know people are watching television or they're watching kind of the news of the day and among the some of the news of the day is you've, you've got on one hand you've got you know president kennedy's words about going to the moon before the end of the uh before the end of the decade which is what ends the film but you also have in the middle of this milieu uh chappaquiddick you know that that ted kennedy was was you know in trouble uh for you know the the accident that he got into on, on you know chappaquiddick at, right at that time, and then there's the daily body count in Vietnam and so forth, and there's this, these moments that are, it's weird that, to think that they're even dwarfed. Uh, and, and then you have some of the politicians. You've got a, a shot of uh, Vice President Spiro Agnew at, at the launch, and then you've got Nixon on the USS Hornet when they go to uh, retrieve the astronauts. You've got Nixon calling from the Oval Room, not the Oval Office. Right, not, <laughs> the, not the, not, yeah, see, not, right, yeah, 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 which is now just a restaurant across the street right, from Roll Call. Right. Uh, but he's calling, he says he's, he calls the astronauts from the Oval Room. You've got, you know, just these like, it's really, uh, it, it's quite a thing. And then also the, the, these other moments where you see the, the, you know, kind of the stereotypical like men at mission control uh, in white, you know, shirts and, and black skinny ties and just like mounds and mounds of cigarettes and coffee <laughs> like all, all over the place. It's a very like you have these small human moments and then these gigantic celestial ones. Yeah. All in an hour and 33 minutes, I would note. Well, it was it was uh, it was really thrilling to just get into a time capsule and just do the research of it all um, mm -hmm. and to understand the mission itself. You got to understand. Uh, the the space in which it existed and the time in which it existed, which was the late 60s. Um, so you have Kennedy that, um, you know, uh, is drumming up support uh, for to go to the moon by the end of the decade in the early uh, 60s, um, of course, gets assassinated um, uh, in 63. And, uh, and then you have all this political strife that happens. Mm -hmm. uh, his brother dies in 68, Martin Luther King. Um, there was uh, there was a protest at the launch, the Poor People's Campaign, who erected a tent city earlier in the summer on the White House lawn, mm -hmm. uh, were down there protesting. Woodstock happened a month after the launch. So we had scenes of these giant uh, caravan of VW buses that went down the Florida, witnessed the launch, and then I'm sure just Turned drove back up around the, and went to Woodstock. Yeah, the I-95 <laughs> corridor right. and went up to New York to you know witness uh, Woodstock. 
Woodstock. Um, but certainly you had Vietnam going on. Uh, you had uh, civil rights uh, um, atrocities committed worldwide. Um, and this was really, uh, uh, you mentioned Chappaquiddick, uh, which happened a couple days before the actual landing, uh, which dominated the news. Um, so uh, there was certainly um, a lot of parallels uh, mm-hmm. to, you know, uh, things that are happening today um, that were of interest to us and everyone that were working on the project. Um, uh, but certainly it snapped into focus very quickly um, as we were finishing the film on just what a gargantuan undertaking this was. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people spread across tens of thousands of companies all coming together for this one, uh, uh, arguably the most important thing that humanity's ever done. Well, Todd, it is a, uh, it's, it's a big achievement, what, what, what you've done. And uh, I, I didn't think that it could be recast, a 50-year-old event could be recast in such a fresh way. But uh, congratulations on, on the movie. Thanks uh, so much for Which I will note, too, again, that opens up uh, in IMAX theaters on Friday, including here in Washington at the National Air and Space Museum, and then wider release on March 8th, uh, next a week from Friday in theaters nationwide. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, even in outer space. <laughs> and please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, you can visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at RollCall. And thank you for listening. <laughs>